I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to BoxingForFree.com's podcast. What is so hard about making weight as a professional boxer? I'll admit, I'm not a professional boxer, but is it really that hard? If you keep yourself in decent shape in between fights, you know, do light workouts, have a walk-around weight that's not drastically different from your fighting weight, it shouldn't be that hard. Yet, how is it that Alan Green, someone who's been a pro for over 11 years and had a lengthy amateur career, how is it that he came in 6 pounds overweight for his fight last week? He was supposed to come in at a contracted weight of uh, 180 pounds, but then he comes in 6 pounds heavier at the weigh-in, which forced him to give up uh, 20% of his purse of, uh, I think it was like $3,000 to his opponent, and then afterwards, he goes out for Chinese food and got food poisoning, had to go to the hospital, and eventually pulled out of the fight. And uh, Juan Guzman, well, well, we shouldn't be surprised by this, because in the past few years, this guy has become more famous for not making weight than getting any victories. And last week, what happens with him? It's a 140-pound title fight. He comes in 8 pounds over the limit. So so what is it? Do do these guys need a dietitian or a nutritionist in camp? Do they need to realize that they need to change their habits when they're not fighting? It it's one of the most unprofessional things that you can do as a professional fighter and fighters like Guzman and Green should have more respect for the sport. I mean I think the only way, if you want uh, Guzman to come in at the actual weight the fight's supposed to be at, you know, you have to lie to him. If you want him to come in at 140 pounds, tell him that he has to make 130. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard, especially when you're a seasoned pro. Uh, Moving on. Heavyweight boxing got a shot in the arm uh, from across the pond last week as Tony Thompson proved that his victory over David Price five months ago was not a fluke and Price himself showed that there is still plenty of work to be done in his career. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, Jonathan Banks and Seth Mitchell had their anticipated rematch and fans were let down, severely let down by it. I have a feeling that Thompson and Price each agreed that they would not let the same thing happen to them, and thankfully they didn't. I mean, there was a lot of pressure on Price, a former Olympian who was once again fighting in his own backyard, but this time he had Lennox Lewis, former heavyweight champion. He had uh, Lennox in his camp helping with a preparation for three weeks. David Price did slightly better in this fight with Tony Thompson. He dropped him with a big right hand in the second round, which, uh, coincidentally, that was the same round that uh, Thompson stopped Price. But watching the fight, I expected after after the knockdown, after Price, because I did not think that Thompson was going to get up at first when I saw that uh, right hand land. I... um. What what I was expecting Price to do was to move in for the kill, but and and you could see Lennox Lewis 
during uh, that part of the fight. He was kind of like motioning to David to finish him off. And if he had landed one or two more big right hands like that, he probably would have. I think the referee would have stepped in and waved it off. But he let Tony Thompson off the hook. And, you know, unfortunately for Price, but fortunately for Thompson... Uh, Tony Thompson was able to come back, ended up stopping Price in the fifth round. That was a really exciting heavyweight heavyweight fight. I mean, it wasn't for any major titles at all, but really exciting. And uh, I I don't I didn't he- I didn't catch the interviews at first, uh, the, the post fight interviews, but um. I kept uh, hearing something about uh, Tony Thompson's wife being in a wheelchair, and I thought, oh, did something happen to her? Was there an accident? (laughs) I just, I can't believe somebody says something like what Tony said, but I'm not going to repeat it. I'm going to let him say it. We've seen you singing in the build-up in your dressing room. You seem to exude confidence. You believed in yourself coming back over here. Oh, most definitely. There's one thing uh, that's never been lacking for me is my confidence in myself. Uh, I'd be allowed to say I didn't have butterflies. You know, David scares the hell out of me. Big, strong, athletic guy. Well, Olympic pedigree. I mean, just a good, strong boss. He scared the hell out of me. But it brought the fucking best out of me. Yeah. Can you say fucking all? Not really, but don't worry, we'll let it fly. Um, apologize for that, folks. He, he's, he's pumped up, and we understand. How close were you to being out in the second? I wasn't close at all. It was a knockdown. It was a good knockdown, but I was going backwards with the punch. So it didn't. It wasn't one of those crunching David right hand, uh, you know. So I knew what the count was. I was clear-headed the whole time. And you see, as soon as the bell rang for the next round, I was the first in the middle. Could you believe that you were able to drag him into a fight? We all thought it was going to be more technical than that. Oh, yeah, of course. Everybody want to be technical until they get hit. You know, Lennox Lewis probably going to wind up being a great teacher and a trainer, but he only had one training camp with the guy. He's not going to get that style in one training. Lennox didn't get it one time when he worked with Emmanuel. So I know he wasn't going to get it, you know, working with a second-hand Emmanuel like Lennox Lewis. Where does this leave you now? It leaves me looking for title shots, or if I can't get title shots, fights towards the title. I would love to fight Tyson Fury over here, or in Vegas, or anywhere that big pussy wants to fight. He's been mouthing off about me, my age, whatever. Tyson Fury, let's get it on, man. Or if I can't get him in the ring, because I know he's going to run. Come on, Vinley. You, you fighting guys, you know I ain't got no shot to beat you. Fight some guys with, with height and experience like myself couple of questions to finish off. Could you believe, after what happened in Bern, that you would be back in this position now a, a year and a bit on? Oh, most definitely. I mean, I have my doubts, obviously. I'm a human being, but I got beat by the best in the world. And as you see, if you take one step below the best, which I think David is, he's just a step below, you're not going to beat me because I'm over that step, and I've proved that time and time and again. I asked you this five months ago, uh, sort of, what next for David Price? What would be your interpretation of, of where he's at now? I mean, he, he has to start over, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think his problem was he was in great condition, but his mind wasn't. You know what I mean? You can train with Lennox all you want. Lennox was a tough-minded guy. And if you can't get past your physical limitations with your mind like I do, everybody seen me looking old and slow and sloppy at times, but my mind is great, man. 
I'm a thinker. I saw David get tired. I took his right hands after he knocked me down. I didn't even move from him. I pushed him down. I walked him back. I discouraged him. And in the end, I stopped him. Any chance you might move over here? Hey, man, <laughs> I, you know what? To be real with you, I love the people over here. That's no joke. I can move over here in the summertime. <laughs> you know, and I've talked to, uh, I don't know if you want to put this out there, but I've talked to promoters over here about promoting me. I'm not going to name no names at this moment. It might be inappropriate. But I would love for them to bring me over here, make this my second home. And finally, in your dressing room before the fight, I think you had a bit of Lionel Richie, easy like Sunday morning. What, like Sunday what's going to be the soundtrack for Saturday night for Tony Thompson? Hey, man, I'm going to go home and break my wife's hip. I ain't had sex with her in a while. She's going to feel the pain. And the pleasure. I mean, oh, it's going to be some pleasure mixed in there. But she might be crippled in the morning. So um, if anybody out there want to donate a wheelchair to the right. Save the Miss Thompsons. Okay. All right, she'll fun. be. <laughs> Listen, well done. Congratulations. Enjoy your sleep. What the hell can you say to something like that? I mean... <laughs> I don't like it when people kind of sugarcoat their true intentions, but Jesus Christ. I actually kind of feel bad for his kids, because on one hand, they're very happy that they're... I, I believe Tom Thompson does have kids, but, you know, I don't know how many or how old they are, but... Like, if, it, if they're in school, then... They, they got to be saying, oh, you know, my dad want to fight. And then, you know, everybody has to hear afterwards, oh, yeah, you know, also after the fight, my parents, you know, had sex to the point where it broke several of my uh, mother's ribs. <laughs> I don't know. If, if I was a kid, like, no, that, that is the last thing I want to hear my parents talking about. And... I, why the hell did I say that? Because now I've got the image. Thanks a lot for that, me. <laughs> uh, let's stop talking about that uh, for a moment. In in fact, let's stop talking about that forever. Uh, Lennox Lewis thinks that the problem was that David Price was just gassed out and that he, he didn't take Thompson out when he had the chance in the second round. Uh, the two of them worked together for three weeks, though Lewis admits that he really wanted an eight-week uh, training period to work with David. If they continue to work together in the future, um, because Price has said he doesn't plan on retiring, even though this is his uh, second loss in a row by knockout, expect them to have uh, an eight-week training camp next time, because I think that Lennox... Uh, sees the potential in price and knows that there can be improvements but knows that you can't just do it in three weeks you have to have a longer time um also changing the way that he does training is miguel Cotto, who announced on twitter this week that he will be returning to hbo on october 5th with his original promoter uh that would be bob aram's top rank promotions and also with Freddie Roach in his corner. Uh, no opponent has been named yet for the October 5th bout. However, uh, there is a strong chance that it could be Carlos Molina. Now, this is the fifth time that Cotto has changed trainers in his career. Um, in fact, I think he's uh, changed them, I think, four. He's had uh, 
four different trainers within the past four years. Uh, he was working with uh, Pedro Diaz for his previous three fights, uh, the Mayweather fight, the Austin Trout fight, and uh, his rematch with Antonio Margarito. Uh, before that, he was with Emmanuel Stewart. Uh, before teaming up with Stewart, he was with Joe Santiago. And, of course, as we all know before that, he was always with his uh, uncle, Evangelista Cotto. At this point, what can Freddie Roach really do for Miguel Cotto's career? I honestly don't know. But, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Miguel Cotto, but if there is one thing I do hope that Freddie Roach can uh, get Miguel Cotto to do, is stop crying all the time whenever Miguel talks about his family. Look, I love my family too, but for the love of God, Miguel, stop crying all the time. You're a boxer. You're supposed to be mentally tougher than this. I mean... If I was somebody facing Miguel Cotto, you know, just before the fight starts, before the the start of round one, I would just flash a picture of, like, his kids, like, you know, and just have Cotto start crying in the corner, and then i go and beat the crap out of him. That's what I would do. Uh, regardless, it's uh, going to be interesting to see what Miguel Cotto can get done with Freddie Roach at this stage in his career, and also what he has left because he has not fought since the fight with Austin Trout uh, that was back in December I believe and uh, going to go back to England momentarily because right now the Battle of Mouths has been announced and that is between Tyson Fury and David Hay two guys who don't like each other although I'm really hard-pressed to find another boxer who will actually freely admit that he likes Tyson Fury uh, both think that the other guy talks too much, and it's probably going to be very unnecessary for the judges to keep score because I do not see this fight going the distance. Um, now, I usually give my predictions for a big fight, you know, close close to the fight. I mean, that, that's just the way I do it. But I honestly believe that Tyson Fury is going to have the edge over David Hay. David Hay is um, obviously experienced, but I just think that Tyson Fury is going to have the edge and at times will just, you know, outclass David Hay. Oh, um, I'm uh, just to be clear, uh, when I talk about that edge and that outclassing David Hay, I'm talking about the trash talk at the press conferences. No, no, no. I think David Hay is is honest to God. I think he's going to knock out Tyson Fury. Uh, finally, last little bit of news, and I'm sorry. I seem to be going back and forth with the stories today. Uh, once again, I'm going to shift the focus onto Freddie Roach because he had been previously tabbed by Alexander Povetkin to train him for his upcoming bout against Vladimir Klitschko in October of this year. However, that's not happening now because uh, Roach wanted to train Povetkin at the wildcard gym in California. Because of his busy training schedule, Roach wasn't willing to go to Moscow for several weeks, and Povetkin saw no reason to leave his home, uh, Moscow, which is where the fight's taking place, so no Freddie Roach. And 
I don't know, maybe it now is the time to call in Teddy Atlas again. I mean, Teddy's so gun-ho about, you know, you know, d- destroying the Klitschko uh, uh, monopoly on the heavyweight division. Why not just jump in and say, okay, you know, even though I didn't think you were ready before, you're probably ready now. It's been a few years. Let's do this. But probably not. That's all we have for you uh, for this podcast. Before I go, though, um, I would like to make a quick apology for not being as active with the podcast as I could have been. Um, two days after the last podcast, uh, the city of Calgary was hit by massive flooding, which threw a lot of everything into chaos. Thankfully, where I live uh, was not affected by the flooding, but it's made uh, it's made the the past month of uh pretty difficult for some people here it's made uh my job at work a lot harder but i uh now that things are slowly getting back to normal and our uh calgary stampede is uh winding down i want to assure you that i'm going to do my best to keep up with updates and uh not turn this into sort of a monthly uh mini series I want to stay as current as possible. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.